And we're back for episode four of Orange Overtime. I'm Adam Campos, joined alongside Tyler Schiff, and in this episode, we got the recap of the Orange's trip to the Battle for Atlantis tournament and the preview of CUSA's Big Ten ACC Challenge versus Indiana. Remember to check us out on our socials at Orange Overtime and follow us on SoundCloud and Spotify. Getting to the Atlantis recap, Tyler, let me know what you thought of this recent trip down to Atlantis. Man... Adam, it's not it's not what I like to see. Um, at the end of the day, I did not like Syracuse's performance in the Bahamas whatsoever. With the Hoosiers coming to town on Tuesday, the Orange better pick it up, and they better pick it up quick. Um, I I expected just a lot more from the Syracuse team. I really thought they would place around the third, fourth place um, in this tournament, but they ended up placing six. Um, finishing only above teams like Loyola Chicago and Arizona State. Um, they only had one win as they went one and two in the tournament, and that was against ASU. But I think that was a uh, that was a win that they were expected to have. And you know, in tournaments as stacked as this, where the competition is really you know great teams from all over the country, you kind of want some of those unexpected wins where your team really comes together, has a great offensive game, has a great defensive game. They gel, and um, I know it's only the early. Um, it's only the early start of the season, but you know, still, I expected to see more from Syracuse overall. I'd have to agree with that. I mean, coming into this, you knew this was going to be a tough tournament. That you saw the lineup, and even Beheim said at the end, of the, um, at the end of the tournament, this was from top to bottom one of the toughest tournaments he's played since he's co- been coaching. It's a pretty mm. bold statement, mm. but I mean, he's not wrong. the The only two like teams that I really w- wouldn't have been concerned about was Arizona State and Loyola. Mm. Everybody else, all that, all the other teams are hoopers. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I would, I would agree with you. Just, <sighs> I mean, yeah, things, yeah, well, one and two down there. Yeah, things didn't start well. Um, I expected them to play a lot better than uh, a lot better and to beat VCU. Um, I thought that VCU didn't have a crazy hard schedule coming into the tournament, and um, they weren't even doing that well. Uh, they were slightly above five hundred, if not at five hundred. Um, yeah, and uh, nothing gelled for the Orange in that game. And um, I really thought they were going to get out of that shooting slump. I'm like, there's no way they shoot the whole game this bad. Yeah, um, yeah. Notable. What? What's notable is Cole Swider went over six, I believe, um, from three that game against VCU. Yeah, over so, uh, six or seven. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Now this, uh, just overall in this recap, I think defense. You, this team's longer than they were last year. Mm. On the wings and the forwards, they got a way. They have way more length on this team. Mm. So to see how bad this defense has actually been, mm. and for teams to for three teams so far this year, putting up eighty plus points, mm. three or four, yeah, that's not supposed to happen in the zone. No, it's not. I said that against Colgate. Yeah. How do you put up a hundred? Two of the teams put up over put put up. What? Or one team put up over 80. Still, yeah. allowing that many points in a zone, that's concerning. No, yeah. Uh, yeah, let's let's try not to talk about that Colgate game. That that still haunts me. Um, how do you <laughs> let a team like that put up 100 on you? But hey, um, we won't harp on that too much. Let's maybe, you know, try and look at the bright side. Let's try and see some positive surprises. And I think um, our main man in the paint, our big man, the orange big man, uh, Jesse Edwards... Um, I think I he was. Give, I, I think he was a bright. One. Yep, he was I gotta, a bright spot. I gotta give you that one. Yep, the, yep, you had been. You were on his on the train for him. He was my preseason most improved player of the year. He's definitely doing that. He started slow um, against Colgate. 
he had Aiden Nate, I think, um, going into the Bahamas. He didn't start particularly well. That was part of the, a big surprising loss, in my opinion, to VCU. But then he really picked it up. Uh, great numbers against ASU. I think he had 20-plus points, if I'm not mistaken, and 10-plus um, rebounds. An easy double-double for the big man. Um, and he held his own against Auburn. I mean, it ended up being a blowout uh, loss for the Syracuse Orange, but, um, you know, Jesse Edwards, yeah, he held he, his own. He was def- That was definitely my surprise. Like I said, I got to give you that one. You'd been, you'd been riding the <laughs> I've this been pretty adamant, time. Yeah. yeah, so I'm like... Okay, like let's. Where is he gonna come clutch? And he actually came clutch in this tournament. This is a good tournament to have that kind of turn, those turnaround games. Yeah. And he was the most consistent player, I think. Mm. He fouled out against VCU, which was was unfortunate because mm. he, when he did get in there, he made an effect on just clogging up that middle. Mm. And but he fouled out, so I mean that takes away from it right there because he couldn't stay in the game. But no, the last two games he played great. Mm. <laughs> you gotta get, you gotta give it to him. Yeah. So again, yeah, it's just just looking at this tournament. It's my biggest concern again is the defense. You, yeah, you did what you did against ASU. They still put up a good amount of points. Auburn, the talent for Auburn just caught up to them. They took they took it away. It was good seeing Swider have a good game finally. Yeah, for sure. That um, I will say. Yeah, I mean, with a team like Auburn, I mean, I doubt anyone really had Syracuse winning that game. I expected more of a fight to be put up, but um, I mean, you just look at the the, the play of uh, freshman forward Jabari Smith for Auburn. Yeah. I mean, he can really do it all. He can put the ball on the floor. He can shoot the mid range. He can shoot the three, stretch the floor, and shoot that perimeter three. He's a three level scorer. Um, three level scorer. He's catching lobs. He's dunking. Athletic, young, um, and he lacks experience, but that definitely does not show on the court. And um, yeah, again. It's just unexpected for the for the Orange to really win a game like um, Auburn, which came to the tournament ranked 19th in the country. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you do want to see the defense do a lot better than they did. Yeah. Yeah. Because sure. one of the biggest things that I was emphasizing throughout his own, all five guys have to rotate at the same mm. time. And I showed you the play before we started this. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. It I mean, was... hey, I'm just gonna put something out there. Adam played JUCO um, before coming to Syracuse. And, uh, yeah, just can you just uh, talk this about man. that? <laughs> hey, man. I had to give a shout-out right there. I appreciate it, too. Um, um, yeah, just talk through that one play and, you know, what are your concerns and how was that play kind of replicated and kind of became the tone for how Syracuse played yeah. the defense for the rest of the game? So if you – if the audience here, if you guys remember, and with about 13-35 left in the second half, it was when VCU got the easy high-low dunk. Mm. And – Right there, just in that play alone, concerned me with the rotation. Again, you have all the guys up on the top. You got no guys sitting in the corner. You got the one in the middle and one in the short corner. But no guys are really deep stuck into the corner for a kickout or anything like that. Mm. They swing the ball back to the weak side on the left side. And you just see it right away. Hey, after... After Benny bumps up, he's already late on that. He wasn't... He didn't go up to the ball yeah. all, as soon up to that wing... Until after the pass was made, he was late on his bump. Because anytime you're a wing player on that, on the bottom wing, you just jab at them and then you rotate right back down. For sure, yeah. you don't want to jump out on it. You don't want you don't want to push yourself too far. Because right there, that led to that dunk. Exactly. After they threw it into the middle and uh, Benny stayed up on top. Yeah. They threw it into the middle. Benny just stayed there. Yep. He didn't run back down. Mm. And all the guys on the opposite side with Buddy and Swider, yeah. they also stayed over there. 
and they should have already been in, in that help side position once the ball was on the wing. Yeah. So with them being late on the help side, that made Jimmy step up to the, bot, or to the guy on the free throw line. Swider's late. You got the easy high-low play, the high-low action, and then Swider's late and gets dunked on. Yeah, exactly. Just um, right there in that little piece was like the nastiest play I've seen. I was like, that right there, I remember I got up out of my seat and I was like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you definitely don't want to see the defense just fall apart so quickly like that. I mean, it really came out of nothing. The ball just swung to one side like any offense would, um, you know, to start, you know, a play against the zone. But Benny Williams came up late and he stayed. He didn't rotate quick enough Ooh. back to his position. And, you know, the last thing we touched upon this in episode three, the last thing you want in a zone is for the ball to get in the middle. Yeah. Um, and that ball got to the middle so quick. And then before you know it, um, Syracuse were outnumbered mm-hmm. in, in the paint and the uh, right under the basket, three yeah. to two. You had one guy, you had a VCU ram with the ball in the paint um, towards the edge of the free throw line, mm-hmm. and then two um, low post scores. Yeah. And you only had uh, Jimmy and um, uh, Cole on the baseline. And yeah. so, you know, there's obviously going to be one person open, and yeah, that's where the dunk came. And, the, and that dunk was the momentum shifter in the game. That's yeah. where that's where all of a sudden VCU's energy just popped up. Their defense, as the more they scored, the better their defense became. And I had said as well, VCU, even though they're not in that shock of smart era anymore, they've kept that dog mentality on defense to just jump after everything. And the more they scored, the more they kept that mentality, and that's what drove them. And I think what, what was even worse in that VCU game, yeah, the Auburn. I I, I want to talk more about the BCU game because this is a game they should have won. Yeah, Auburn was going to be tough either mm-hmm. way, so it doesn't surprise me that they lost. Yeah, could have put up a better effort, but oh well. The VCU game, even with like three minutes left, there was still time. They made I think two or three turnovers in a row. I think it was a ten point game at one point too, like with yeah. four minutes to go. Yeah, towards this point. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and after that, a turnover. They had two turnovers in a row that led to two fast break dunks. And the body language from the team, you could just tell they were done. And they still had time. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there was still a good amount of time left where they could have made some type of quick run. But you could just tell by all their body language after that second turnover. And especially just making that second turnover in a row that late. I was like, yeah, this is over. I turned it off at that point. Yeah. You talk about turnovers. And um, Syracuse has to do a better job of keeping the ball. Uh, We talked a couple times about Samir Torrance, the backup point guard, being a lot more composed. Um just overall being a having a cool head, being a great leader at the point guard position. Um, and uh, at times, you know, Joe Girard just doesn't have that. Uh, we talked. We also talked about him being a shooting guard coming out of high school and how um, transitioning to the point guard role at Syracuse mm-hmm. might have been challenging, and, and clearly uh, he's still struggling with that. Um, and I want to bring this up. I actually saw during this tournament, and I want to ask you if you agree with this. Mm. Do you think... Joe supplements Buddy well enough at the point guard position. Do you think they're a good one-two tandem? Um, you know, I do think that there are you know little traces of greatness here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do love it whether they end up whether the uh, offensive possession by their opponent beforehand, whether um, the opponent scores or not. Usually, a big gets down, passes the ball, um, gives an outlet to Joe, and Joe runs with it. Buddy's already spring to the corner of the wing. And Joe usually will get it um, to Buddy. And that's usually great to see. Um, but do you think they complement each other well? Um, that's a great... Uh, I don't want to say no. You know, obviously I don't want to say no. Um, 
you know, I, I still trust in that two-guard tandem. I, I still do. Uh, I still think that there's space and time to improve. I mean, Buddy's a senior. Joe's a junior. Um, this would be the last year that we see that two-guard tandem in Des- unless uh, Buddy stays for a fifth year. But, um, you know, I still have trust. And I, I guess, yeah, you have a reason in bringing it up, that question. One, well, because, I, I, like I said, I saw on Twitter, they said, somebody said, I don't think that they compliment each other, or they don't think that Joe Girard compliments Buddy well enough at the point guard position. Are they thinking of maybe a Samir Torrance? Wait. They didn't give any explanation about okay, that, but okay. they just brought that point up. Mm. In some ways, you have to agree, mm. simply because of the fact that they're both ball-dominant players. Mm. Jimmy can get Jimmy can get himself open for the three, but most of the time, if he does get himself open, they're crowding him right away, so he has to put the ball on the floor, or either way, he puts the ball on the floor. So they're both two ball-dominant guards. So that's why in that point, you kind of got to think, do they really complement each other well? Wait, you, you said Jimmy? You mean Buddy? Or Buddy, yeah. my bad. Yeah. Buddy, do you think they complement each other well? You got to ask yourself, like, with two ball dominant guards like that, I don't really know if it works. Yeah, buddy, buddy. Um, I mean, we like seeing him getting more aggressive and, and handling the ball more and dribbling more and mm-hmm. you know pulling up for all kinds of shots, mid range three, uh, going in for the layup. But um, yeah, I mean, two ball dominant guards. That's We've never seen really NBA. worked. I mean, uh, I don't. Again, we can't. Really work. We can't compare. These two guards to you know the three guard uh, lineup at Baylor last year, the national championship winners. Though that was completely different. Uh, no. Joe and Joe and Buddy aren't players like um, you know uh, the Davion Mitchells and the Jared Butlers and the Maceo Teagues. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I guess that's a that's an interesting thing you bring up. Um, hopefully, against the Hoosiers on Tuesday, we'll see a better partnership. And, and I think I want to revisit this after a few more games in the season. Because it, it never processed me. I always thought, okay, they're a good scoring tandem. Yeah. They're, and also, too, this is my first year really being able to watch Q's basketball like mm-hmm. this. So, at first, I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe there are some points in time where they're not clicking with each other in the game. But I'm like, okay, no, they've already been playing with each other for two years. I think yeah. they'll be fine. Yeah. But after this tournament, it kind of makes you think a little bit. Like, okay, where do they actually help each other? So no. I think this is something I want to bring up in a few episodes down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To really hey, pay attention. Maybe episode five will be too uh, early, but no. Nah. It's like six, seven. Okay, got you. Give yeah. it to these three major games that they got with Florida State, Indiana, and Villanova. Yeah, yeah. Let's see after that. Stay tuned. Stay tuned, uh, Orange uh, Overtime audience. Um, and and I, want you, I want you all to think about this too. Like, just kind of ask yourself about that. After I saw that on Twitter, once you all listen, let, let us know in the comments. Let us know wherever or, or on Instagram. Is that really is that really a duo that works? So yeah. keep that in mind as well while y'all are watching the games. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess to, to sum up this uh, tournament, again, we talked about how Auburn was kind of expected, but I guess our biggest disappointments came at the VCU game. It was the it was the first game. Easy. Yeah. That once that first game happened, you kind of thought like, okay, no, this yeah. isn't going to be a good good site for the tournament, and it did, wasn't. Did you maybe think that the bounce back against ASU, although they were supposed to win that game as well, do you think any you know any performances besides Jesse's, which we talked about, did was there anything that showed promise in that game? Do you think, um, or was that you know just classic Hughes basketball? Not even I don't want to say classic Q's basketball because it still wasn't their best game. Mm. But, I mean, ASU is one of the weaker teams in the Pac-12 this year. Pac-12 is still a really good conference. It's For sure. ASU is just one of the weaker teams. Mm. Um, and you kind of saw it against Q's where the difference between ACC and Pac-12. Um, so I wouldn't really say there's anything you want to 
take away that's like major from that ASU game. I think it's just kind of one of those ones like, all right, this you just need this bounce back win to get back in the flow of things. Got it. Obviously, they didn't because they lost to Auburn by 20. Yeah. So big loss. Yeah. Um, but hey, heads up, chins up. Um, the boys are back from the Bahamas. Yeah. Ready to uh, get the carry dome rocking. Six six games in, so I don't to finish this recap. Yeah. Not, not meaning to interrupt you. It's six games in. I don't want to jump the shark on them yet and be like, no, this is going to be a terrible season. But they need to fix these mistakes quick because of the next three games, as we mentioned. So leading that into the first of those three games, as you were going to say, what do we got for Indiana? Well, the Hoosiers are coming in 7 p.m. at the Carrier Dome on Tuesday. And uh, the power forward headlining that Hoosier team is Trace Jackson Davis. That boy's nice. He is nice. Uh, he is a sophomore power forward. Um, he's 6'9", 245 pounds. And he's an absolute monster down low. Um, this year he's averaging 20 points and 7 rebounds on 66% shooting from uh, his, his field goal percentage is 66. Um, and that's quite phenomenal. I mean, the, the guy was a NBA prospect uh, after his freshman year. Um, he had a couple things he needed to work on, like his shooting, um, his spacing, his perimeter defense. Um, but you know he's back from more. He's back in Indiana, and uh, he's ready to make a statement as to why he should be a lottery pick, perhaps, um, in this year's upcoming draft. Um, and hey, Indiana hasn't really played that much competition this year. They are six and zero, but you know I, I do think Trace Jackson Davis is. Uh, Stats are a little inflated. That sixty-six percent shooting, although which it it doesn't really surprise me, but um, um, you know, I don't. Yeah, this that inflation is. I think it's it's slightly you know misleading. Um, yeah. What else? Um, he he leads the Hoosiers in in minutes, and that's that's huge. Um, when you get that much productivity out of a out of a sophomore or an underclassman, that's pretty good. Yeah, I want to I want to just uh, talk about this story that uh, Shag actually wrote in his autobiography, and um, Phil Jackson actually came up to him and said he asked him what was most, um, you know, what was uh, most impressive about Wilt Chamberlain back in the day, mm-hmm. and so Shaq thought it was a tr- uh, trick question. He he knew that Phil Jackson was gonna wasn't gonna say, oh, he was uh, he scored a hundred points in a game, you know, stuff like that. Oh, yeah. So um, Shaq went. Uh, with his average points for the season, which is something ridiculous, like 50, 50 hey, points a game. People want to sleep on Will. That man was... Insanely oh dominant. Yeah. Um, but no, Phil Jackson actually turned to Shaq and said, no, it was the fact that he played every minute of every game. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what we see in Trace Jackson Davis. He leads the team in minutes. And, um, you know, he's just such a big part of the offense in general that, um, you know, Indiana really isn't the ball club they are without him. And so, oh, no. you know, not at all. Yeah. And um, getting into the role players um, and, and kind of the second and third fiddle to Trace Jackson Davis, uh, we have Xavier Johnson and Race Thompson, a guard and a forward, who are great in helping uh, Trace Jackson Davis. They get the ball inside to him because the Indiana defense does run through him, but they can also hold their own. Both of them shoot at a near or over 50% field goal percentage. Uh, I think Xavier. Um, sorry, just Xavier. Uh, I think he um, he shoots something like at a, at a 55% clip, and uh, Race Thompson shoots about 48% for the field. And, uh, you know, surprisingly, although Syracuse hasn't been playing that well um, uh, since uh, in the Bahamas, 
they actually have a 64.9% chance to win compared to Indiana's 35.1%. I'm genuinely confused about that. Yeah. I'll, I'll take it. I mean, if ESPN wants to give us that dub, I'll take it. But yeah. I don't um, know about all that. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you're coming up against an undefeated Indiana team. Um, and with this Syracuse Orange 3-3 three and three over six games, you're kind of like, hey, uh, is ESPN right about this? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I think the Orange can hold their own. Uh, they'll go to their, you know, classic two-three zone, and um, yeah, kind of just talk about what they need to improve in that two-three zone. I know you harped on it constantly, oh, in, yeah. even in past episodes. But you know, in this Indiana game, what do they need to improve? It's the same thing. It's the same thing with about his rotation. It just as a rotation and a man is key. It's even more key in a zone since you're responsible for your each areas. So again, keeping that rotation up, making sure they communicate. I think communication hasn't been on their strong point either on that, on that bottom line for the for the zone. The communication all starts in the middle, and that's that's key for our big men's like like uh, Frank Anselm, Jesse Edwards, all of them. Jimmy, when he's in there, communication's key. It starts mm. from there. So I think communication's got to be better in this game. And again, the rotations on on defense, and also too in this game since. Indiana is yes they are one of the better outside shooting teams in the country. Yeah. When their main focus or when their main guy is Trace Jackson or Trace Jackson Davis yeah. being in the middle, yeah. They can clog up that middle pretty well. So I think if they if they could help into that middle a little bit more and clog it up to not allow him his shot. Yeah. I think they could be pretty successful in this game. It's just that then after that, they got to rotate out of that help on him to be able to cover the shooters. That's my only concern. For sure. And, um, you know, Syracuse hasn't done a great job of, you know, not letting the ball get in the middle. Mm -hmm. And when you're letting someone like Trace Jackson Davis get it up around the free throw line, that's going to be a problem. Um, Oftentimes, Jesse Edwards is not so quick to get out to to that that person in the middle. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, someone with um, TJD's, yeah, TJD's, yeah, TJD's um, offensive prowess in that area, a simple floater. I mean, that's two points. Yeah, no, he's going to have to be crucial in stepping up, crowding him even before he turns to the basket. And also, too, when you got the guy sitting in the middle like that, if he gets out of one of the elbows, that strong side guard on the top can also go in and poke at the ball to try to make a little trap there on the top. And even if they got him on the bottom right there, that's where the traps in the short corner are going to have to become crucial. Because if you put him there, there's nobody in that corner on the strong side of the ball with him, then he's going to have to force that pass across court or somewhere. And usually that turns into a turnover. Yeah. That's where our length is going to come in clutch. So it's going to definitely be all about, about going in and trapping in Trace Jackson Davis as soon as he gets the ball and just putting as much pressure on him as possible. Exactly. And you talked about rushing out to the shooter once um, the ball is kicked from the middle to the outside. Helping, helping the helper, too. Yeah. That's, um, that's the biggest thing because you got the guy. He's helping He's helping you on the inside when mm. Trace has the ball. Yeah. Oh, so as soon as he gets, as soon as he goes out to take the guard, even if he closes out well enough, the guy comes back. You got to help him again to rotate into that middle, so the guard doesn't get in and goes out for possibly another kick out. Exactly. And um, you know, in terms of the perimeter defense, Syracuse is gonna, you know, struggle. They're, I, I think perimeter wise, they're not the same zone defense that they were last year with, um, you know, the long um, athleticism of, of Kadari Richmond. Uh, but you know, again, we trust in the orange. Um, we're never gonna not trust in them. No, no, absolutely um, not. And you know what? Uh, I think Syracuse might get this dub. To be honest, I think I'll go with the ESPN prediction and stay true. Um, bleed orange, baby. <laughs> I'll give it to you. Yeah, I, I don't want to be that person. Yeah. I genuinely don't. Yeah. But as, as bad as they have been on the inside, 
this year with that defense, it's kind of hard to see them. It's kind of hard to see them winning this game. I don't know if if Indiana comes out shooting well and they are trapped having force. If Indiana forces them to have to go outside every time, I think Trace Jackson Davis is about to have a 25-30 ball easily. Well, as, as soon as they start going out to the outside, they're shooting, and they start making the threes, which, yes, in his own, you are giving that up. If they start making it, Cuse has no choice but to close out on him, and the, oh, the middle is going to be wide open. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the name Trace Jackson Davis is quite a mouthful, and you wonder why we bring his name up so much. <laughs> that boy's well, a bucket. against Marshall, their last competition, their last uh, game against Marshall, he dropped 40-plus points in that. For 43. An, for an easy career high. 43 exactly, you say. Um, yeah, and that's just absolutely ridiculous. So there's no doubt that he will be the man to keep an eye on. Um, from Syracuse's point of view, I think that, you know, Jesse Edwards needs to continue his stellar play. He's going to be huge, um, you know, in, in, in that zone. We talked about him stepping up, making sure Trace Jackson Davis doesn't get that initial shot off um, with the ball coming in from the top of the key from his point guard. He has to make him uncomfortable. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. you got to make these guys uncomfortable in this For zone sure. and just clog it up. And, you know, Jesse's big, 6'11". Um, I think uh, he can, if he, if he really, really, you know, commits to, to Jim Beheim's style of play and his teachings and, and his discipline, um, Jesse Edwards will have quite a good game. Um, Cole Swider, I think he needs to uh, up his up his shooting percentages. Um, he he did show traces of you know becoming the shooter that he is um, towards the latter stages of the of the Battle for Atlantis tournament. Um, he didn't start well against VCU, but against Auburn, although it was that blowout loss, he definitely turned it up from the perimeter. And um, yeah, I think. In terms of our two-guard tandem that we talked about, uh, what do you think we need to see more from Joe Girard and um, our MVP, Buddy Buckets? Joe, Joe Girard's just got to learn how to how to make control of the game. He, or not make, yeah, make control of the game. It's not the words I was looking for. He needs to learn how to control the pace of play. Yeah. He does He does not handle pressure well. Mm. And if in, I think with most guards, what's going to happen, or most teams, they're going to notice putting a press on Syracuse they don't handle it well. They didn't handle it at Battle for Atlantis at all. Mm. So if I were Indiana, I'd be pressing Syracuse all game long because their guards do not know how to handle the press. Agreed. Um, and that's, I mean, that's, I think that's been one of Joe Girard's biggest issues. Yeah. You saw it in the tournament last year. He couldn't handle pressure. He does not handle full court pressure. Definitely. Um, against Auburn, they committed 15 turnovers. And, you know, while we say once again that loss was kind of expected, 15 turnovers is not... You don't want to see that. You don't want to see that at no. any level of play. Um, yeah, Joe Girard's just got to learn to to kind of, um, you know, be patient um, with the pressure coming. You know, keep a clear mind. Um, you know, maybe pick up Patience. one or two things from Saimir. Yeah, he's, uh, he's got to be patient with it. Because, yeah. because, again, even then, the thing that didn't help Qs either... Nobody was flashing to the middle. Mm. They had three guys essential, in the backcourt. Essential court. for you know a press break. Yeah. The whole point is you have the two you have the two guards in the back sitting with each other in the backcourt, and you don't have anybody flashing in the middle. Where are they supposed to go? Yeah, I I, I guess like maybe one good sign. Maybe they really trusted Joe Girard. But the one he... time that they <laughs> flashed, even though it was an ugly flash, an ugly possession, they got an easy layup out of it. Yeah. it Jimmy finally he went up to the middle. Got an easy layup after that because it just broke down the entire press. So they just got to do that more too. You got to, yeah, Joe Girard's got to play better, but you got to help him out on the break. Yeah, and um, you know, uh, Xavier Johnson 
that we we talked about earlier. Um, he's going to be on the ball. He's going to be on Joe Girard. Mm-hmm. Um, if he does have that scrappiness in him, like the VCU guards did, I'm so and, happy they didn't play Baylor. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, J- James James Akinjo tournament MVP would have completely ate our boy yeah. up. JG three would uh, have not had a good day that day. Not at all. Um, but you know, uh, scrappiness is, is definitely something that Joe Girard doesn't uh, do well with. Um, you know, someone who really goes after that ball, presses ninety four feet. Um, yeah, that's I'm uh, again. We trust. We trust that JG three will keep a clear head. Um, you know, just focus on the game plan. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, it will have help. You know, with the press break, guys, uh, guys flash into the middle. Gotta but um, have that. yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. As for Buddy buckets, um, it's gonna be a talking point that we kind of wrap up with. Um. He's got to go up with 20, 20 a game. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean, I think that's. He's averaging around twenty, but you know, we we do want to ask more of Buddy. It might be unfair at times, but hey, I mean, again, he is the MVP. We need him to lead this Orange team. He is supposed to be that go-to guy. He's supposed to be that one that could go get us a bucket every time. And that's the thing. If we can't rely on him to do that for the, that's going to be a long season. Yeah, I understand he did a hell of a tournament, but again, that's got to translate into a full season now. If he really wants to be considered this superstar talent in college basketball this has got to be a night in and night out performance for him every time as uh, i mean he's he's in the shortlist for the preseason he's in the preseason shortlist sorry uh for the naismith player of the year and he he just needs to step up and play mm-hmm. more like uh he deserves it like, um yeah. you know you see you see spans of certain games you see little snippets of of him just being super confident pulling from three wherever he is wing corner top of the key um he gets the ball and he's pulling it off the screen he's pulling it and that's the confidence we need to see from uh, Buddy. And so we really hope that he continues um, against Indiana on Tuesday. Um, but for now, that's all we have for you guys today. Be sure to check us out and follow us on our social media. For Instagram and Twitter, that is at Orange Overtime. And you can find the podcast available on SoundCloud and Spotify. This is Orange Overtime signing off. I'm Tyler Schiff with Adam Campos. And we'll see y'all on the next episode. Thank you.